Father in heaven, we come here today gathered together as the body of Christ. And Father, I thank you that your word says that Jesus said, I will build my church. And we thank you for the opportunity to be part of the church, part of the body of Christ. And today as we have worshiped together, as we have exalted the name of Jesus, as we prepare our hearts to look into the word of God, I pray, Father, that you will prepare our hearts as that body of Christ, as that family of God, that you will prepare us to move into the future. Father, we're excited about the future that you have called us to. We are excited about what is ahead for the church, the family of God here in our community. And God, we pray today that you would inspire our hearts through the work of your Holy Spirit today, that you would challenge us, that we would go beyond just Sunday morning to help take the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world today. Father, I thank you that we have this family of God, this body of believers that we have the privilege of being part of today. God, I pray your blessing upon each individual, each family that's here today. Father, whatever need they have, I pray that in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would minister to those needs, whether they be physical needs, emotional needs, relational needs, marital needs. Father, uh, even, even those that are struggling financially today, Father, we ask you to meet those needs today, supernaturally. And that when we leave this place, we will understand that we have met with God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Kevin Taylor. I'm the lead pastor at Silver Creek Church here in Marquette, Michigan. It's great to be with you. And I am glad to be able to join you this morning. And we want to continue a series that we began last week. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for sharing with us last week as we start this series called Beyond the 52. And I want to challenge us today because I believe that if the, if the body of Christ, if the church that Jesus said he would build, if we are going to be effective in taking the gospel throughout all the world, I believe the body of Christ is going to need to understand that it is called to go over and above. This morning, I'd like to share a message with you called over and above. That phrase over and above, it refers to in addition or besides or beyond. I want us to look at Paul's words in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14 where he says this, and over all these virtues... Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The things that Paul was talking about there were the virtues of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and the ability to forgive. Paul is addressing uh, putting on love like a belt that would hold clothing in place. That love is the, is the virtue that holds all of these other attributes in place 
over our lives. The apostle Peter uses the word above as he talks about uh, in relationship to love. And here's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 that love keeps no record of wrongs. The very presence of love in our lives, it buries the sin of others. You know, it's easy for us to overlook the shortcomings and the flaws in those whom we love. When we love them, it's easy to overlook those things. And so what what Peter and what Paul are encouraging us to do is that we should apply love above all the wrongs in the lives of others. And if the church is going to move forward in its mission, if the church is going to be effective in taking the gospel throughout the world, we need to care more about being one than we do about being right. We need to live for Christ not just on Sunday morning. You see, it's beyond the 52 Sundays a year. We need to begin to love over and above, not just on Sunday morning, but we need to be willing to do so seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 365 days a year. This morning, I'd like us to look at Paul's letter to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 12, Paul is going to give us seven ways that we as the body of Christ, as the church, we can go above, over, and above. The first one is this. Number one, we can love others above, over, and above when we do so without exception. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Paul is telling us that love must be genuine and it must be real. I believe today that that is what something that is something that our society that our culture is longing for is to know a love that is genuine and real. And when we fail to love others in a genuine way, in a real way, it literally casts doubt on whether or not we love God. Look at what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. He said, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Friends, because of this, because God loved us first, because God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because of that, we must take the initiative 
And here's one of the most challenging parts. We not only must take the initiative to be the first ones to love, but we must do so even if that love is not reciprocated. Paul encourages us to be devoted to one another in love. What he is referring to and what this is the equivalent of is family love. As the body of Christ, you and I are part of God's family. And we have been given this family and we are instructed to love one another. Most of us understand what it is to have family, and even though we may extend love to them, at times that love is not returned to us. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, that's ridiculous, because I love my family and they love me back. Those of you that have been parents of small children understand some days that when we extend our love to them, that they are not old enough or mature enough to understand what love is, and sometimes they don't return that. Sometimes as they grow older, they struggle, and they struggle particularly to return the love to us that is extended. So we understand. But you might say today, man, I can't do that. There's no way that I could love someone to take that initiative, to do it first, knowing that it may not be returned to me. And my answer to that is that yes, you can, because you are able to love based on the fact that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Without Jesus, we're unable to do so, but with Jesus, even when someone does not return love to us, we are able to take the initiative and to love them with no expectation that they will return that love. Secondly, the way that we can love over and above is if we do so with intensity. Look at verse 12 of our text from Romans chapter 12. He said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I wonder if any of you have ever been told when you travel, don't drink the water. I experienced this in a kind of a strange way, but about four years ago, I was invited to go on a fishing trip to Alaska. It was literally a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I don't recall if they actually told us don't drink the water because we were out in the bush, out in the wilderness. But one of the guys in my fishing group, he decided that he was experienced enough and he was going to go off on his own without a guide. And this is kind of unusual because there are so many grizzlies in that area. But he went off and when he was off fishing for the day, he found some blueberries and he ate those blueberries, and he got so violently sick. The, the term is giardiasis, and he got so sick that he, it was violently sick. And I remember getting up in the morning and seeing a clothesline stretched out between two trees outside of his tent, and his waders were hanging there. All of his clothes were hanging there. His sleeping bag was hanging there because he literally had to, had to clean them out and wash them out because he was so violently sick. You see, boiling water 
kills bacteria and kills viruses. This idea of of being fervent, it literally means boiling. We know that water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm reminded of how uh, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation He records the words of the angel that speaks to the church at Laodicea. And he says to them that they are neither hot nor cold. And because of that, he is about, God is about ready to spit them out of his mouth. And that he wishes that they were either hot or cold. When it comes to loving people, We need to be fervent in our love. It needs to be something that boils over, something that has an intensity. That idea of this kind of love is also a genuine love that is not lazy, but it's diligent. In the Gospels, Jesus tells a story several times. Uh, uh, We call it a parable, and it refers to uh, five servants who or excuse me, three different servants that were given uh, sums of money to invest on on behalf of their master. And the one servant received what are called five talents. And, And those talents, they're simply sums of money. And that he went out and he invested them and he worked that money and he came back with five more for a total of 10. Another servant received two talents. He went out and he put that money to work And he was able to invest it, he was able to work it, and he gained another two, and he came back and presented the master now with four. But the third servant, he received one talent, and rather than go out and work it, he buried it in the ground. The Bible says that he has a conversation with the master and the master refers to him as a wicked and lazy servant because he didn't do anything with that resource that God had given him. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18 where John the Apostle says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, to love someone with our words is as far as love goes when we just use words. When we, when we are only speaking words of love, it is a profession of affection that our heart truly does not embrace. You see, genuine love, real love, will show itself by actions of serving others. Thirdly, in order for us to love over and above, we need to do so even when it's risky. Now, I think that I like to take risks until I get my quarterly 401k report and I see that it's gone down and then I realize that I really don't take like taking risks all that much. But let's look at Romans 12, our text again, where the Apostle Paul says in verse 12 and 13, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. At the time that Paul was writing this, 
the persecution had, uh, uh, against the church had already broken out in Jerusalem. It had already uh, been happening in other places uh, during that part of the first century. It already had come to Rome. And so as they read this, they read it from that perspective. And Paul said, don't let the fact that you are already experiencing persecution keep you from meeting the needs of other people. That word hospitality, it literally means love of strangers. So Paul is talking to a group of people here And it is a group of people who are under persecution who one day there may be a knock at their door and they open their door and there's someone standing there on their doorstep who is also a believer who has not only under the same persecution but they've literally been driven out from their homes. They have no place to go and Paul is encouraging them to open their lives, open their doors, open their homes to these people who are being persecuted for the very same reason that they themselves could be persecuted for, for being a follower of Jesus Christ. That is definitely taking a risk. You and I are called to take risks. Paul literally, he says, practice hospitality. He says, look for these opportunities that seem risky. Put something out there on the line. Take a risk in order to love someone else. Last month at our Feeding America event, there were some interviews that were conducted that Feeding America uh, wanted to be able to communicate. And one of those people that was interviewed is someone here at Silver Creek. Her name is Jenny. Some of you might know her. But Jenny is one of our volunteers and has volunteered at many Feeding America events. And the unique thing about Jenny's story is that she's not just someone that volunteers, but she's also someone that needs food. She has some food insecurities in her life, and Feeding America is able to help meet the needs for food. So here she is, someone who needs food, but yet she comes and she serves others first. She didn't get in line so that she could just get her food and then go off on her merry way. She came, she served, she helped others, she put them first, and then she was able to get food for her and her family. She was taking a risk. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3, The Apostle Paul says this, If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that even though we may sacrifice everything, even though we may risk it all, if we don't have love, we gain nothing. Nothing. For us to love over and above, we must be willing to take a risk, but it must be based in genuine, real love for others. Number four, 
we need to be able to love even when we're suffering. Look at verse 14 of our text in Romans chapter 12. He says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. What Paul is really saying there is that we need to pray for the forgiveness of that individual who may be cursing us, who we may have a situation where there is great conflict and they are, they are coming against us. We need to pray for their forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, we read Jesus' command. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When Jesus was on the cross, do you remember what he said? He cried out, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That is such a challenge for you and I today because I think we sometimes prefer to pray a little more like David did in the Old Testament when he says, God, smash out all their teeth. Destroy them. Get rid of them. But if we're going to be over and above in the way that we love, we need to be able to forgive no matter how egregious the offense may be, we must come from a place where we are able to love. We are able to extend forgiveness even when it seems like someone else is persecuting us, someone else is coming against us, someone else is doing terribly wrong to us. We must forgive because Jesus has forgiven us. Number five, we need to have empathy and compassion. If we're going to, to love in an over and above manner, we've got to have empathy and compassion. Romans chapter 12, our text, verse 15, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. What does he mean, rejoice with those who rejoice? You know, sometimes celebrating a victory that someone else has can be very difficult. You know, the Bible says that the heart of man is wicked. And I'll tell you what, when someone else gets blessed, when someone else receives, sometimes we have a little thought that runs through our mind that says, man, I wonder when my turn is going to come. And there's a little bit of envy. There's a little bit of jealousy that can well up in our lives. When we love over and above, there needs to be a sense of compassion. There needs to be a sense of empathy. We need to be able to rejoice when someone else is blessed. We need to be able to reject the spirit of envy or the spirit of jealousy that would like to rise up in our hearts. Paul also says that we need to mourn with those who mourn. This requires empathy. It literally requires an act of our will. You know, when, when someone that's very close to us loses someone or they go through some type of a loss, 
we hurt too. The closer they are, the more we feel it. But I believe that the Apostle Paul is talking about more than just um, something that's very close to us, but that this should be something that we are able to call on, that we're able to call on this empathy. We're able to, through an act of our own will, have compassion toward others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. You say, Kevin, how in the world can I do this? Unless it was somebody that's very close to me that's experienced a loss, how could I do this? How can I manufacture that sort of a feeling? And I don't think that we have to manufacture it, but I do believe that it is an act of our will. And I also believe that as Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm reminded of the great command, where Jesus said that the greatest command is that we love God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind, with all our soul. And then we read in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, what Jesus says after that. And he said, and the second is like it. In other words, the second uh, greatest command is like the first one. And that is this, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we need his strength in order to love others above, over and above And if the church is going to be effective in going out into the world, not just on Sunday morning over the airwaves or here in the seats, but if we're going to go out the rest of the other days of the week and be effective at sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we need to have a sense of empathy and compassion for the loss of those around us. Number six, if we're going to Love over and above. We need to make sure that all things are equal. Last weekend, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed the opportunity to be downtown here, Marquette, at the Lower Harbor, and to enjoy uh, the fireworks earlier in the day, spent time with my family at the parade. It was really a wonderful experience as we celebrate the 245th birthday of our nation And I'm reminded that in 1775, Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, he penned these words. He said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, our text, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. The word harmony that Paul uses there literally means equality. That we need to have equal regard for one another. 
Paul is saying that, that as we look at others, that we need to see them on the same level as we see ourselves. And, and some argue about what Thomas Jefferson really meant in the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, but those words seem so clear that we understand that literally our Creator has made us equal. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, Paul says something that I don't think really resonates enough with us because we, we, we struggle to understand the cultural um, ramifications of his words. But here's what he says in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, sl neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is, is really difficult for the Jewish person to comprehend, to think that there is, there is no, no delineation between Jew and Gentile any longer. There's no difference between slave and free. There is no demarcation between male and female that we are all one in Christ Jesus. As believers, if we're going to love over and above, we need to reject the temptation to think that we are in some way, some fashion, better than some other part of the body of Christ. Whether it be because of their financial state, whether it be because of, of the color of their skin, whether it be because they're from another state, whether it be because they're from another country, whatever the reason, we need to see ourselves as being equal. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the second half of that verse, Paul says, Do not think more highly, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Friends, I want to remind you that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's no difference. No one is better than anyone else at the foot of the cross. And if we as the body of Christ, if we as the church are going to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must be able to love others and realize that we are equal. Number seven, in order to do this, to love over and above we need to promote peaceful living. Let's read the rest of this section in Romans 12, beginning with verse 17. Paul writes, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, <clears throat> live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, I want you to know that as you decide to begin to love over and above, that there will be some who will take advantage of that love. There will be some 
they will try to see what they can get out of it for themselves. And I know that that's a struggle for us and we think that, that this is such a, a, a wrong and it, it's something that should be avoided at all costs. Friends, we need to trust God to take care of that situation. And we need to simply do as he's told us to do, to love above, over and above. Friends, we need to begin to pray in those sorts of situations that God will either change them or that he will change us because we recognize that change needs to take place. And sometimes when we pray that prayer, we will be surprised because we discover that God does change someone and we're not sure, has he changed them or has he changed me? We don't even realize which one it has been, but we understand when that change takes place, there is a sense of love. We need to literally be willing to go the extra mile. That phrase, really comes from a first century issue. You see, it was Roman law that a Roman soldier could conscript a citizen to carry his pack, to carry all that he had with him, uh, going for the, 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 in his job of, of being a soldier, they would have to carry his load for one mile. And Jesus said, don't, don't just carry it a mile carry it the second mile. Because the first mile is required by law, but I want you to go that second mile because that is a decision that you can make in your heart. You know, we read the Old Testament and it says that, there's a, that, that we literally can respond, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. But as we read the New Testament, as we read the gospel of grace, Jesus said, I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. Friends, what a change, what a transformation that requires. And for many of us, we struggle because when we are wronged, we want to seek to make it right. We want to do everything in our power to pay back the wrong that was unjustly uh, uh, inflicted upon us. And Jesus said, rather than doing that, rather than repaying evil for evil, that we should turn the other cheek, that we should actually respond with goodness and kindness. Friends, if we are going to love over and above it's going to have to be the kind of love that, that really pursues a life of peace. I believe that God is calling his church. This has been a, an incredible past 15 months that we've gone through in the life of the church. And I'm excited I'm excited that, that we, are, we are coming through it. I'm excited that, 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 that things are, are getting back to at least some feeling in, in many senses of, of, of what we're familiar with. But as we move forward as the church, we have an opportunity to demonstrate to the rest of the world the love of Christ. And I believe that this love is going to make a very significant difference. 
It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to rise up, not just for an hour at 9.30 or an hour at 11. It's time for the church to rise up beyond the 52 Sundays of the year. It's time for the church to love others the way Jesus has taught us to, the way Jesus showed us his example to love over and above. I want to close with this, these words of Jesus from John chapter 13, verse 35. He said, by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, I believe that Jesus is calling us to love others over and above. Even if they don't respond the way that we think they should respond, that we should initiate that we should do so with empathy and compassion, that we should do so energetically, passionately, and intensely, and that when we do, the world will take note that we have been with Jesus. And I believe they will respond to that message. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would challenge us as your people. Challenge us, I pray, that we would be able to live the kind of love that goes over and above, the kind of love that extends beyond just 52 Sundays a year, but it, it extends to every day of the week, every day of the year, that we would love others. And God, I know that it's challenging because many, even within the sound of my voice, can remember times when they've been wronged by others in the body of Christ. They've been wronged by family members and friends who are Christians. Some have been wronged even in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, or in the name of the church. And it is so hard to forgive. It is so hard to move beyond. And so for those 52 weeks a year, they put a, a good face on it. And they just don't, they try not to think about it. But it's never been resolved in their hearts or in their minds. Father, I pray today that those circumstances would be unresolved, that we might be able to, or that they would be resolved, that we can move forward, that we can begin to love over and above. This morning, as I close in prayer, if that's you, if that's your heart, I want to pray for you. I would just invite you this morning, if you, if you feel, if you sense in your heart the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that there is a struggle going inside of you, and you'd like to see that struggle resolved, you'd like to see a sense of, of reconciliation that you'd like to be able to love others, but you find yourself so guarded and so defensive, and you say, God, I want to love over and above. I want there to be healing in my heart that I might be able to live a life of love that you have called me to. If that's you this morning, 
I just want you to slip your hand up and respond to the Lord this morning by saying, God, that's me. I need, I need restoration. I need reconciliation in my own heart over my own hurts, my own pain, that I might be able to love others. Thank you for responding this morning, those of you that have. Father, I pray. I pray for a spirit of forgiveness, Lord, to be poured out on the hearts of those who have responded. I pray for a continued uh, a spirit of conviction of the Holy Spirit for those who have yet remained unmoved by your Holy Spirit thus far. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be able to draw them to that place of seeking restoration, to be able to forgive so that they may be able to love over and above. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that, that convinces us of the truth of your word. And I pray today that you would bless the body of Christ, that we would be able to go out from this place beyond the 52, and that we would love in the name of Jesus over and above. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.